life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Welcome, I'm Jillian Moss-Backman, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer because I know this series uh, that we're discussing at the moment, Serial Killers and Spirituality, has been a pretty heavy topic for a lot of people, so I don't really want to add more heaviness to what's going on in the world, but I do want to take just a brief moment here to send out lots of light and love to the victims and to the entire community of Moore, Oklahoma, for the horrible devastation of the tornado that hits last week. And, you know, as human beings, I grew up in the church, and my father was a minister, and, you know, one of the questions people always ask him is, how do these horrible things happen to such lovely people? And we can debate that till we are gone off this earth, and it all depends on how your perspective of spirituality and how it works in the world. So I think that's a very profound question that we should all ask, but don't spend too much time on figuring out the whys. Just concentrate on how we can move forward and bless those as they move forward into their new lives of reconstruction. I hope you've been keeping up with the series for May and as we're moving into the third week of Serial Killers and Spirituality, the first two weeks I spent laying down the parameters of what is classified as a professional serial killer or whatever you want, whatever we call those people. There's lots of names for them. You know, how they think and what motivates them to kill and what once they're captured, what they're willing to hold on to once they've surrendered and realize that they're going to spend the rest of their days in captivity. The first two weeks I had Dr. Scott Vaughn and Diane Fanning, and they did an exceptional job, if you haven't listened to it, laying out two well-known serial killer cases and how they chose religion and spiritual conversion during that time of desperation when they were grasping at straws to either keep themselves alive or find some calm peace among the storm they've created in the world. And what was interesting about that and the conversations I had with both of these experts was each one of these different criminals took a different path. One was a more secure awakening of a religious conversion that he considers himself reborn, which was son of Sam David Berkowitz, and then the other one that uh, Diane was talking about last week was Tommy Lynn Sells, and he seemed to be taking a much different path than the first one, and he had real questionable intentions as the story unfolded as Diane talked about it in her book, and that he seemed to use whatever strange spiritual awakenings were coming along, including different occult things and spiritual advisors. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those shows, please go back to Change Already at Blog Talk Radio 
the Mace series and look up there and you can catch yourself up. So I spent the last couple of weeks setting up this question on purpose and posing it to our next guest and I'm very excited to have. And the question becomes, are these people, criminals of the sickest, sickest kind among us, are they redeemable in the eyes of spirit? If you listen very closely to what Diane Fanning talked about last week, I posed that same question to her, and I have to admit, she was very diplomatic and honest in her answer. She said that she believed that people are redeemable, but in this case, the Tommy Lynn Cell, she replied with a resounding no. So I want to take this half an hour and see what an expert in the field has to say about this open-ended question that we ask ourselves a lot of times, Reverend Neil Shorey. Reverend Shorey is the lead minister at Naperville Christian Church in Naperville, Illinois. Along with his regular duties as the leader of this, this prestigious church, he was thrown into the public limelight. I'm not sure we'll have to ask him if that was by accident or it was a planned event. You know, I'm always talking about destiny. You never know, even as a minister, where it's going to lead you and your greatest work. He was thrown into the limelight several years ago and found himself as one of the main witnesses in the well-publicized case of the missing church member that attended his church, Stacey Peterson. Now, from that tragic event, he paired up with my dear friend, Susan Murphy-Milano, that I've worked with for years, to, re to create a tool for victims of abuse called Evidentiary Abuse Affidavit. It's basically a program to assist victims in violence to document the abuse in a way that pre preserves the evidence and convicts them if necessary later. Now, Reverend, welcome to, this, to the show. Thank you so much. It's very good to be with you. I know that you're used to being on the other side of this fence. You represent the victims very well in crimes, those of domestic violence, and in this case, serial killers. So I'm going to ask you to hop onto the other fence, and I'm turning the tables on you today, and I really want to focus on that question and talk about the predators of this crime and your thoughts just take it away. I want to know what you think. Are they redeemable? Well, wow, it's it's such a it's such a great question um, because everybody wonders that P people when uh, uh, when the the tornado struck more just recently on Monday, people say, "Well, why do bad things happen to good people?" And yep. and it's very easy to look for a villain, and you don't have to look too far because there are lots of villains in this world. Whether it's uh, whether it's a serial killer or um, whether it's a one-time killer uh, like Jody Arias, as we wait for the verdict to come out, um, or in in my case when I was a, a, a part of the Drew Peterson murder trial, um, it's not too hard to find villains. Um, what, what's interesting about my field is that I, I am a Christian first, and and for for me, uh, my whole worldview is, is based on on the availability. Of forgiveness, and and what's interesting to me when when I think about just what forgiveness is, um, if I if I get to make the judgment, if I get to determine who um, is forgiven and who's not, I'm going to make real base level judgments about people. And some of the things that I would do, I would say, well, I I, I want to make sure that no one like Hitler 
Uh, of course, we always go to Hitler, don't we? Always. I mean, how many yeah. degrees of separation? It's fewer than Kevin Bacon to Hitler. I mean, it's like uh, only people like Hitler uh, can't go to heaven. That's how, that, that's how I feel inside, and that's probably how a lot of people feel. Is, hey, so as long as you're not Adolf Hitler, um, you know, we can talk about you coming into heaven. Uh, but, but the thing is, uh, the thing is um, I don't believe that I am the standard for anybody. Um, and I don't think any people are. And my basis, my, my, the, the way I understand forgiveness, um, biblically speaking, uh, it, comes, it comes straight from probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible. And, and that's, that's from the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 3, uh, verse 16. And, and everyone knows this verse uh, because it's at football games. You see it in the end zones held up. Um, and, and that's the basis of forgiveness. It's, it's the, what I believe is the truth, that, that God so loved the world, the whole world, uh, the messed up parts, the beautiful parts, uh, but he loved the world so much that he gave his son um, to die in our place so that we could be forgiven. And um, that is where um, I start in conversations uh, that, are, that are related to forgiveness. I always want to start with what I believe is God's standard, not mine, uh, because I'm a, I'm a flawed human being just like everybody else. Um, and by God's standard, I need that same forgiveness that, that, that anyone does. So I, I can't point a finger and, and say, well, this person deserves hell and this person deserves heaven because I feel that way. Because there are plenty of people um, who do a lot better things than I do, and they can judge me in that same, uh, on that same basis. So I, I always start with what, what the Bible says. And um, it's, not to, um, it's not to make anyone feel um, less than, um, but that's, that's where I always start when I talk about forgiveness. I think the part that people get caught up on that, Neil, is that I think a lot of people feel offended that these kind of criminals even have the right to bounce back into a conscious space of religious truth in their perspective and that they're allowed the option of redemption through their own Christianity. Does that make sense to you? Oh, oh it does. It, it does. And and here here's what I would say. Here's what I you know, I I can't answer I can't answer all of the um, the objections that people have, because I have I have those same objections inside. I'm I'm a I'm a human just like everybody else. So right I have up. personal. They're they're just personal things that I feel more offended by than others. Um, when, when I hear about a little child uh, being being abused, when I when when I hear about women who um, who have been raped repeatedly um, by by husbands or boyfriends or strangers, it just there, there's something inside me that says, nope, I don't want any forgiveness for that person. Um, but but if I'm the standard, um, that that becomes very scary. It becomes very um, subjective, and I, I everyone has different standards for what they feel is acceptable um, and and what's not. Um, God kind of, in my view, God sort of levels that playing field, and and while there are people who do a whole lot more damage to others, there's no question about that. And and just just to be very clear, uh, this is not to minimize anyone's pain and suffering. And it's not to say that any of these things are okay. Forgiveness does not mean that, that what has been done to you is okay. Forgiveness does not mean that, that you just forget what happened. Um, that's just denial. Um, forgiveness does not mean that, 
Um, you, you can regain an automatic trust after you hurt someone. Um, forgiveness does not mean removal of consequences. Um, it, it doesn't mean ignoring it. It doesn't mean instant healing. And it doesn't mean restoring the same old relationship. Um, forgiveness, you know, and, and from how I look at it from a Christian worldview, um, you know, all have sinned. I believe that. Um, I see evidence of, of of sin in my own life. I see things that I've done that have caused other people tremendous pain. Um, so all have sinned and fallen short of of God's standard. And um, so I believe God levels that playing field to say, regardless of how bad you think your sin is, you have sinned, and, and all have is what I believe. Um, but I certainly do understand the struggle that people have when they see they see someone who's done multiple heinous acts to someone and and I think there's a there is a healthy uh a skepticism that that we have when when we see what you know sort of looks like a deathbed confession you know almost a, a get out of hell free card um yeah it, that's right I, I, I really understand and I think we should i think we we have a right to be skeptical about it um but ultimately ultimately. Um, God knows their heart, and He knows if they really do want to change. If they if they would let go of that old way of living, um, they can be made new. I do believe that. So you actually believe it's an all or nothing truth. Either you're all in or you're not. I mean, the reality is: is there a point of no return here? Is there a, a things that become so evil that a human being can do? And I get the whole sin thing. Believe me, because right. I buy into that. I live that myself. But are they transformable into an all or nothing? I mean, I think that's where people get stuck on that, Neil, because it's like, well, what do you mean this person who's done the hatest things get the same opportunity of salvation that I do, and I've tried to live a life of, you know, reasonable consequences, and right, right. doing the work. I mean, come on now. I mean, that is that's almost like cherry picking spirituality. Right. I mean, well, I well, think you know, that's the world we live in, which is cherry picking. That sure. you know, it's oh. okay for some and not for others. But how can really seriously? It goes against the grain of human net rationality to assume that one can forgive that. It, it it really does, and I, I agree. I like what you said about cherry picking, uh, because yeah. it's sort of like you take the things that you want and you're comfortable with, and you ignore the rest. And and I I think that I don't believe that cherry picking spirituality is genuine whatsoever. Um, I I think that um, you know w- one thing that that I know people say, well, you know, you can make a a deathbed confession. It can happen. Well, it can happen. Um, you know, we saw even when when Jesus was crucified in, in the Gospels, you see that there was a there were two thieves on the crosses next to him, and one and one was taunting him and said, "If you're the Son of God, then 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 change this whole situation and make it better. Get us off this cross." And he was yeah. the one who was he, he was the one who was you know defiant to the end. And and on the other side of Jesus was this thief who realized, "Hey, you know what? I'm." I'm getting. I, I'm paying the consequences for what I've done. And he he looked at Jesus and he said, "Would you remember me? Would you remember me when you enter your kingdom?" It was a hum, it was, there's a humility about that person. And Jesus uh, he he knew his heart and he and he looked at him and he said, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Now here's here's what I know 
from from what scripture teaches me if that thief had had been liberated from the cross jesus jesus accepted him and said yes you've lived a wrong life but you can you can go to heaven his life would have looked different because because throughout the gospels what we see is it when 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 someone was changed their lives actually showed good fruit so it was not about i i just want the forgiveness and then get to live however i want Forgiveness comes with an expectation of change. So in, in Matthew chapter 3, um, we can know someone has changed. It's Matthew 3, verse 8. We can know someone has changed if their lives show good fruit. So how do you know if someone's genuine in, in what they say, if, they, if they've really received forgiveness and they're genuine with Correct. God and with people? You know, you know how you know? Correct. Because their lives are going to show good fruit. Yeah, but what's to what standards, Neil? I mean, that's a very subjective term. Right. Because because the case in point that Diane brought up last week was, you know, Tommy Lynn Sells, and we're talking about serial killers here, you know, he, he had a journey that started as a, a supposed rebirth person, showed all the outward signs that he was doing it, got baptized, blah, blah, blah. And then over time, that religious truth, as we would talk, it started showing its ugly head that it wasn't real. But we go back to that question of showing fruit. But then you go to Son of Sam, who's now Son of Hope, okay? This is who we're talking about. Right, right. And longevity-wise, you're talking, he is showing signs of religious strength and truthness in supposedly the ministry. Sure. Yeah, you're, you're you, you know, I, I think even <laughs> even with what you say, it's it's so challenging because it offends isn't everything it? in us, isn't it? We, we feel so offended by it, and and the reason we do is we we know the 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 horrible lives that they led that that led them to this place. So so having skepticism. I don't think that makes any anybody bad. Or wondering if it's really true, or t- allowing that to be tested, or 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 doubting that. Um, my guess is, you know, I, I know I know about David Berkowitz, and I I, I would guess that, um, and, and may, maybe you can speak to this better than I can. My, my guess would be mm. that if he's really changed, that he he probably does not get terribly defensive when he encounters people who don't believe he has changed. Yeah, and that's a sure sign, isn't it? I mean, when you're able to take, as you said, the criticism straight at you and stay in that place of peace and calm and centered in the soul, I do think that is a good barometer of people that are living in a space of open soul and spirit, you know, conversion or whatever you want to call it. Right. So the question I I I have to you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, it's okay. I, I I also see on the flip side. Um, I have heard, um, I, I I have witnessed abusers apologizing over and over and over again for what you know what they what they did. You know they'll admit just a little bit of what they did, the safest part, um, and then they'll say, "I'm sorry, and I'll never do that again." And then when they get any bit of pushback or any bit of doubt, they just flare up and they show their true colors. So um, it's not about words, you know. Words are really cheap, and and what I see uh, from from you know evidence of watching watching trials of serial killers 
and, and what I see in evidence of, of watching abusers that, that I have to deal with and their victims, um, the, the ones that really want to change understand that people have significant doubts about them and how genuine they are. The ones that aren't changing, the ones that are, are, are still, um, the, the ones that are just manipulating, they get extremely angry and bent out of shape when they get any bit of pushback or question of their motive. Well, you're just not a forgiving person. Oh, you just oh you yeah. don't even believe the religion that, that 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 you preach. They immediately just throw they just throw dirt back at the victim, and to me that's a that's a really huge huge sign that there's no genuine change in that person. Yeah, and they haven't surrendered yet. That's a great way to put it. I think. Okay, so you know the other part I want to talk to you about, and I don't you know I. I'm very religious, but I'm also very spiritual. And one of the things that people talk about in the spiritual community, not necessarily connected to the religious part of things, is that we're all interconnected, that we have a oneness, okay? So everybody talks about this interconnection, Neil, as this warm and fuzzy thing, you know, we're all interconnected. But it gets really messy when you try to apply that same connectivity to the people that we're talking about. Because if everything is indeed oneness that they talk about, and we're all a circle of connectivity, so then doesn't the same spiritual law that we're talking about, whether you talk about it in spiritual ways or you talk about it in religious ways, we are all our brother's keeper. And and eventually it all, so if one gets so, is one out of the circle, or is it they're not a part of the circle now of this oneness? It's the same kind of genre, but in a different context of what you're saying. Sure, I, I, I think you know. I think that I, I, I believe that that we're invited into community. I think life is best lived together. Um, right. I, I've seen in my own life when I when I sort of if when I get too busy with 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 work. Or I get too wrapped up in just my own my my own stuff, um, and when I pull away from community, I see the ramifications of it. I, I really pay a price. Sometimes I'll think, well, I just don't have time for it. I don't have time to to have close friends right now. I'm just I'm just so busy. Um, but when I remove myself from from good healthy community, I see pretty quickly that that I was made for it, and I, I pay a price when I'm not connected to it, and my thinking can get messed up. And I think I think sometimes with people they 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 choose to be outside of that community and they they decide that they are their own standard and whatever they think is okay goes and and they go against the they go against what you know most common decent people believe is right and then we see we see what happens their their actions um, can be atrocious you know when you look at serial killers and what they do and how they can rationalize it I mean they're just atrocious actions. Um, so I think that I think that we pay uh, we pay a deep deep price uh, when we step outside of uh, of loving each other. Um, you know that's the, the the religion that I follow of, of Jesus is is one of love, and um, you know that's the whole message of the cross. Um, and when you when you live a life that is that is selfish instead of selfless, um, you see you see what happens every day um, when you open the newspaper or get on your iPad, whatever you do. And you see the the penalty um, that that our society pays when people choose self over community. 
So, <clears throat> excuse me, wrapping this up, Neil, what are we trying to tell people? Are we trying to tell people to be cautiously open to the possibilities that even the most darkest people in our communities have the opportunity of transformation, redemption, salvation, put whatever word you want in there. Or what are we trying to tell people when it comes to looking at these people and what they've created? Oh, wow. I, what I would say is as hard as it is to look into the faces of people who have done great evil, and 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 thinking that they can be redeemed, um, instead of looking at it from that angle, which I do think is very hard, and I think it's okay to I think it's okay that it's hard. But what I would do, I would challenge everybody listening to this to take a look at themselves and, and to realize instead of looking at it, it, it feels safer to look at other people um, because uh, then we don't have to stop and think about our own lives. Um, but I, I think that um, I think that stopping and looking at our own lives and saying, well. If if God can redeem the worst person, then he can redeem the worst things about me. And while I have a hard time accepting that in a serial killer, I have a hard time believing that that person is changed or not changed, the good news is that, that I can be redeemed. And deep down, we all, I think, want to belong to something that's greater than, than we are. And I believe that that God is is good enough to redeem us. And um, if we could just turn some of that around and say, uh, God, can you give me eyes of redemption for this other person, this other person that I can't see with any eyes except unforgiveness and and disgust and hatred? Can you turn that into something beautiful? And I I believe he can. Um, It doesn't mean mean that anything these people have done is okay – um, I, I, I actually um, I actually wrote a letter uh, to Drew Peterson um, after after the verdict, um, and I, I, I talked to him about what forgiveness could look like for him. And even though he is going to spend the rest of his life behind bars, um, I told him that he could end up being more free behind bars than he'd ever been in his entire life as a free man. Um, that's hard for some people to to take, and I understand that. And I do not mean to, to minimize any pain in, in any family who's lost someone to one of these very cold-hearted, uh, abusive killers. Uh, but I do still believe uh, that, that it really is good news that, that anybody can be redeemed. And, and being redeemed, it, it, it's, it's very little about words. It's a whole lot about action. So, so know that, that God, is, God is going to be fair and that he knows hearts better than any of us can. And that, that gives me a little bit of comfort to know that that he's not going to let people who are still awful, who, who are faking their way into heaven, no one's going to fake God out. Um, that's That gives me comfort when I think about situations like these. Very well put. I want to say thank you, but one of the things that you said right there that I want to kind of drive home is that you said God can be fair. I think the question becomes, can we as human beings echo that same kind of fairness? I think it's harder for the human side of ourselves to do that than the God side of because that's constant. 
that doesn't go anywhere. It won't move. It, it has its standards. It has its parameters. We know what it's effective. And it's the people part that takes us to a place of doubt. It, it, it definitely does. And, and I would just say to everybody um, as well that if you're struggling with this, um, you're in good company. Um, yeah, I struggle right. with this. I struggle um, I, with it. I I haven't figured this out. Um, I, I, I'm on a journey. And uh, what I know is that when I live in a place of openness to what God is, is doing, when I, when, I, when I see what he does and I go and, I, and I'm a part of that, life, life goes a lot better. Um, uh, but, but I still struggle with these things. And when it comes to people who have done great crimes uh, and, and done horrible things that have impacted families' lives forever, um, I think it's okay to wonder, and I think it's okay to to ask God, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. Can you can you help me understand it and speak it in a language? <laughs> Dial that it in. Yeah. You know, speak 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 it in a way that 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 makes sense to me because this doesn't make any sense. And and I'd say God is big enough to handle our questions and our doubts and our rants. And I've done all of those. Me included, sir. Me included. Well, I want to thank you. This was so enlightening, and I hope that we all are able to listen to your wise words and able to take it in and feel redemption that maybe we haven't felt before, but we can make it maybe a step or two closer to forgiveness and hope for all. So thank you, Reverend Neil Shirley, for joining me on air today. Oh, it was an honor for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, we'll be coming back next week with Jeff Mudgett, who wrote a book called But and he is going to talk about being a descendant and how that feels. So as always, join me next week, High Noon Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. <laughs>